And so this morning we have uh, Salome Yoon. Uh, she'll come and share her story. Her story is a story about relationships and the motivations behind why and how we pursue those relationships. So Salome, we look forward to sharing, you sharing with us. Up until a few months ago, the toughest relationship in my life was the one with my mother-in-law. For the first 10 years of marriage, I saw myself as the silent sufferer who had to patiently endure constant criticism. Part of it was due to Korean traditional values where children, even adult children, are expected to be subordinate to their elders. For the sake of peace, I held my tongue Perhaps I was taking the path of least resistance by not being confrontational, but after each hurtful blow to my self-esteem, I was determined to try even harder, to be more patient, to be more understanding, all to prove myself as a good Christian daughter-in-law. I thought that by never talking back or defending myself, I was being the better person, I believed that my long-suffering and endurance were proof of my forgiving heart. But under all the appearance of selflessness, behind every turning of cheek was a scream of, look how righteous I am. About two years ago, I let my mom in on what was going on between my mother-in-law and me. I wanted her prayers and, of course, another sympathizer. Surprisingly, she didn't back me the way I thought she would. Her first question to me was, do you love her? It pricked me. I responded quite defensively, mom, it's not like I hate her. She gently pointed out my superficial love and said, there's a big difference between not hating someone and loving them. You have to ask God for a heart that loves her. She prayed for me And I left that conversation with my heart filled with self-pity. You think I haven't prayed? You have no idea what I've been through. I was desperate for the criticism and the misunderstanding to stop. But maybe my mom was right. Maybe I wasn't praying enough for the situation. So every Friday, I visited my mother-in-law. Yes, I was resolute on proving my love, and on the drive down to her house, I prayed for my protection against hurtful words and misunderstandings. I prayed that God would soften her bitter heart to accept me for who I really was. And though my prayers were self-centered, God is merciful. Things became drama-free for a while, a welcome temporary relief. But God knew that the permanent solution was his son, Jesus. I really needed Jesus. Then, in January 2020, my mother-in-law called me to her home to tell me that I had disrespected her. I asked her how, and she said that my response was proof enough. She claimed that she tried her best to treat me as a daughter, but was hurt by my lack of sense. I asked for examples, but left her home with nothing but confusion, hurt, and anger. I tried so hard to move past it, but I couldn't. Not having a clear understanding of what I did wrong, not knowing what to fix, was a real problem for me. Then to top it off, she texted me a few weeks later saying that she needed space and time to heal. What? 
You need space? What about me? You need healing? I'm the one who graciously put up with you and your criticism all these years. I was a doormat. Any other daughter-in-law would have defended herself and set boundaries long ago. Here was my self-righteousness in plain sight, but I didn't see it. All I could see was how I had been wronged. Then COVID-19 happened. Everything halted. And now I had a legitimate excuse to not see her. And for once in 10 years, I felt free. It was also during these quarantine months that God rekindled a desire to read the Bible every day. And it was God's powerful word that started showing me the thoughts and intentions of my heart. It was in reading Galatians 5 that I felt convicted of relying on all my effort to justify me rather than Christ. Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He goes on to say, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And bam, the word of God exposed my self-reliance, my self-righteousness, how all the trying and trying to love was really about making myself look good. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. Under it was a mountain of sin that needed to be destroyed. My sin problem went beyond my dealings with my mother-in-law. Actually, I couldn't even see that I had a sin problem to begin with. My sins weren't too offensive or blatantly wrong. Sure, I'd lose my cool with my children once in a while or waste my time scrolling through Amazon to buy another thing that I didn't really need. But were these the sins that Jesus died for? Sure, I sometimes harbored resentment or didn't prioritize my day to spend time with God. Were these the sins that Jesus died for? God continued chipping away at the scales covering my eyes, showing me how my heart's intentions lined up against his word, a heart that loves myself more than others, a heart that steals God's glory to make it mine, a heart that considers myself equal with God, a heart that minimizes my sin and overflows with excuses, a heart of unforgiveness, a heart of hatred, a heart that doesn't care whether my neighbors and friends perish eternally without ever hearing the hope of Jesus and with each heart condition that the Holy Spirit revealed, I was brought back to Jesus's cleansing blood. The gospel message became beautiful to me again. Psalm 32, 1 to 5 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you 
and did not cover up my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Apart from Christ, I stand condemned, hopeless and helpless in these sins, which rightly deserve death and eternal separation from God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus is the one that broke down the wall of hostility between God and me. I don't deserve it. It's all because of God's love. And Jesus is the one breaking down the wall of hostility in my heart towards my mother-in-law. My sins against God are far greater than any wrong that she that is ever done to me. But I don't want to be deceived into thinking that the fight is done, that the coast is clear, because my heart desperately wants to go back and find righteousness in myself. My sin is so insidious that I can get self-righteous about admitting my self-righteousness. Oh, help me, God. The enemy knows my weak spots and will hurl fiery darts of lies to make me believe that I don't need Jesus. And that is why I need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might to put on the full armor of God. That is why I need God's live and active word all throughout the day. That is why I need more faith in Jesus and to be walking with the Spirit praying at all times with all types of prayers and killing my flesh on the hourly basis. The Bible says it's full-on spiritual warfare out there, and to think that it isn't is just plain idiocy. But God is greater. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Recently, my mother-in-law had some harsh words for me again. And by God's grace, I prayed a different kind of prayer a prayer that was asking God to help me fight against any temptation to judge or claim my righteousness in myself, a prayer that was claiming my worth as a daughter of God bought by the blood of Jesus. And when I'm connected to Jesus, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Thank you. Well, normally uh, we would uh, lay hands on and pray for the person giving the grace story, but because of social distancing, I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you from here. So, Father, thank you for Salome. Thank you for her testimony. Lord, thank you for her honesty in sharing some of the, the struggles that are going on under the surface, inside her heart, Lord. Uh, I'm sure we can all relate at various levels to that. Lord, I pray for her and I pray for all of us that you would continue to work your grace in her and in us. Lord, show us that we have been forgiven 10,000 talents. Uh, Lord, uh, the equivalent of something that we could never pay back. And Lord, let that give us perspective in treating other people the way that you've treated us. 
Father, we pray that you would give her great grace to continue to to seek to love her mother-in-law, to make progress in that. Lord, for your glory, by your strength, by your power, because she knows she has nothing to prove. She doesn't need her mother-in-law's approval, but she has yours. And Father, now as we reflect on this and reflect on your word, we pray that you would teach all of us. Help us to draw some implications from her story and from your word for our own lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Salome's story has a lot of possible themes to it, right? We could, we could talk about the issue of forgiveness. We could talk about communication and misunderstanding. We could talk about setting appropriate boundaries. But Salome drew our attention to two particular themes. Um, the presenting problem, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, was the struggle she was having with her mother-in-law. And she put her finger on the issue when she recalled that her mom asked Salome if she loved her mother-in-law. Salome was having trouble loving a woman that she found difficult to love. But the underlying problem she came to recognize was a heart of self-righteousness in herself. This was the main part of the iceberg underneath the waterline, and once she saw it, she realized that it didn't just affect her relationship with her mother-in-law, but so many other areas of her life as well. And Salome explained that this really hit home during her reading of Galatians 5, and so I want us to focus on that passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Galatians 5 or Pull it up on a phone or some other device. Uh, You can also follow along on the screen. Uh, Galatians 5 is going to show us that the gospel frees us. The gospel frees us from having to justify ourselves. And the gospel motivates and empowers us to live a life of love. It frees us from having to justify ourselves. It motivates and empowers us to live a life of love. Galatians 5, verses 1 through 6, this is God's word. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every, every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Let's think about, uh, first, the problem that this text addresses. The problem it addresses. And that problem is is self-justification, right? This effort to to be self-righteous through our own effort and law-keeping. Let me ask you this. What do you look to to validate yourself? Right? To bolster that sense of self-worth and self-esteem that you have. What is it that makes you feel significant or good about yourself? Maybe as another way to ask the question. It might be success. It might be your appearance. 
It might be your lifestyle or the relationships you have. It might be this idea that you just have to always be right. You can never be wrong or win or to be funny or good at sports or music or video games. It could be any number of things or any combination of things, whatever it is. To put it in more theological terms, that is what you are looking to for your righteousness, your sense of being justified, of being good and worthy, righteous. If you're a Christian, you understand that your righteousness comes through faith in Christ, that God gives us Christ's righteousness as a gift by grace through faith. That's what we mean by the word gospel. It's good news of our salvation. But if the truth be told, as Salome was honest about what was going on under the surface of her own life, we're always being tempted to supplement that gospel righteousness that we have in Christ with other things. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian church to address a theological error that was causing a spiritual crisis for them in their community. There were some false teachers who were spreading a false gospel that taught that Gentiles, non-Jews, needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. In essence, they needed to become Jews in order to become Christians. That's not so much an issue for most of us today, but the principle behind what Paul was getting at applies whenever we think there's something else that I have to do in order to justify myself in the sight of God besides having faith in Christ alone. And Paul calls this approach to life a yoke of slavery in verse 1. It creates a heavy burden on us. Salome uh, started by talking about being a silent sufferer who had to patiently endure constant criticism from her mother-in-law in order to prove that she was a good Christian daughter-in-law. And when it didn't work, she had no recourse but to try harder, to try to be more patient, more understanding, to be a better person, she said. On the outside, people looking at Sal's life, it probably looked like virtue, right? Patience, and it looked like kindness and forgiveness and faithfulness. But the true fruit of this approach to her life was revealed in her own words. She explained, under all the appearances of selflessness, behind every turning of the cheek was a scream, look how righteous I am in the way that I suffer, in the way that I put up with this woman. I'm sure that Salome had mixed motives. At some level, she wanted to love her mother-in-law. But at another level, she wasn't pursuing her mother-in-law because she loved her. She probably wanted to love her. Her Christian faith surely motivated her to turn the other cheek and to be patient and to forgive But mixed in with all of that was this underlying self-justifying motivation to prove herself, to earn her worth, her value, her mother-in-law's, her mother-in-law's approval. It's a yoke of slavery. The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 3, he says that this approach to life requires us to keep all of the law. 
Once you've decided that you're going to base your righteousness on your performance, you won't be graded on a curve. Uh, You're accountable for all of it. And the irony is that most of us tend to emphasize those things that we're good at or those things that we do well, and we overlook or ignore those things where we fall short, truth be told. And it's interesting to me that in her effort to justify herself, Salome said that she couldn't even see that she had a sin problem to begin with. But once she began to see the self-righteousness behind her relationship with her mother-in-law, she started to see it in other areas of her life as well. She began to recognize increasingly this, this desire to feel good about herself, to be comfortable, to just be happy, to have relationships be peaceful. It didn't mean that she cared about other people. She didn't prioritize her time with God. She didn't care if her neighbors or her friends perished eternally without hearing the gospel. She wanted the limelight more than she wanted God to be glorified, she said. And she's not alone in this. She's just being honest about her fallen human heart, a condition that all of us share in various ways. But Salome understood the good news. The solution is freedom in Christ. Verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This declaration of our freedom is an accomplished fact. It's already been done. You don't have to earn it. Christ has already set us free. You don't have to liberate yourself by your own effort, your own hard work. It doesn't come from trying harder to be a more patient person or from earning someone else's approval. Our freedom in Christ is in part deliverance from the guilt and power of sin. It's our deliverance from failing to love as we ought. Deliverance from failing to be the kind of person we know we ought to be. It's deliverance from the curse of the law that would point out that we have not met the standard. Our lives are no longer imprisoned by condemnation for breaking God's commandments or by failing to meet other people's expectations. Freedom comes from knowing that Christ has kept all the commandments. Christ has met all the expectations for us and that in Christ, by faith, God has fulfilled his promise to say, I bless you, I love you, you are righteous in Christ. Christian freedom is not only deliverance in the negative, it's also a positive endowment, right? We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul is going to talk about the Holy Spirit throughout chapter 5 of Galatians. We're given the Holy Spirit, and this makes all the difference in the world. We are not left to our own self-effort. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, a power outside of ourselves available to us is now at work in us. And so verse 5 says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We do this through the Spirit. And this, the, the emphasis here in this verse is on the future. Paul is teaching in, in other places, Paul teaches that our righteousness is past, present, and future. 
pass. The theological term for this is justification, right? When we first place our faith in Jesus, whenever that was, we were forgiven. We were given, credited, reckoned with the righteousness of Christ himself. And so from that moment that you placed your faith in Christ, God now sees you. He treats you just as if you had never sinned, as if you were perfect. Present, the doctrine is called sanctification. Throughout the rest of this chapter, Paul will explain that God is producing in us the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is working in us to produce virtue in us as we walk by the Spirit, as we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is transforming our lives over time to grow in righteousness. But here in this verse, in verse 5, the focus is on our future glorification. The Holy Spirit empowers us to wait for God to complete what he's already begun in us. Do you see the glory of our freedom in Christ? Martin Luther put it this way. Who can adequately express the boon that comes to a person when he has the heart assurance that God will never more be angry with him, but will forever be merciful to him for Christ's sake. This is indeed a marvelous liberty to have the sovereign God for our father and friend, our friend and father, who will defend, maintain, and save us in this life and in the life to come. When we have God's approval, we don't need the approval of mothers-in-law or bosses or anyone else. It's nice to have their approval. Sure makes for easier, more satisfying relationships, but it doesn't determine our worth, our value. It's not what justifies us. We don't need the career or the lifestyle or accomplishments for our souls to feel their worth because God himself has given up is what ultimately matters. Well, what's the difference that this makes in how we approach life? Well, the result is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul wasn't Opposed to circumcision for the right reasons. It didn't matter if you did it or didn't do it as long as you weren't seeking to justify yourself through it. Similarly, there is nothing that you can add to what Christ has already done for you. You have nothing to prove. If you have faith in Christ, you are free. Free to invest. think of you, free to serve without feeling the need that other people do need to acknowledge you for what you're doing, free to focus on the needs of others instead of yourself, free to extend grace to others in their shortcomings because you know just how much grace has been shown to you. You are free to pursue people and to love them the way God has loved you. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, we thank you that no matter how hard we try, there's nothing we can do to justify ourselves, to to establish our own righteousness, our own inherent worth. But Lord, thank you that you have given that to us as a gift. And Father, more than that, you've given us the Holy Spirit. And so this gift, this new standing that we now have in your presence because of Christ and the active power and presence of your spirit in our life, Lord, empower us, motivate us, equip us to to be people who love the way you love. Lord, bear your fruit in us, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.